conversation so we can uh, continue to honor the time uh, that we have laid out for the rest of the conference. What a praise to be greeted with such hospitality here at Substance Church and then uh, to hear from the president of, of the EFCA to come and remind us that Christ is the center of all this. Uh, we, we've already had so much time in the scriptures reminding ourselves of the gospel and reminding ourselves of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So the heart of our conversation is about our core mission as Christ's followers, and that is to be and make disciples of Jesus Christ. The last thing I want to do in my time is like divert your attention from Jesus uh, to give you 10 practical ways to make better disciples, but rather I want us to focus on Christ and his model of disciple-making in order that we can use that as our grid as we think about the question, how do we create cultures of disciple-making in each of our contexts? And I think there's people here from a variety of different uh, seasons of life, whether you're, whether you're pastoring, whether you're parenting, uh, whether you're serving in your local church context. And my hope is that the conversation today is applicable for each and every one of us. The challenge I find in, in trying to shepherd people towards understanding what it means to make a culture of disciple-making is that there's not one singular verse or one singular passage that really hones in on culture making. That's sort of reductionistic in our thinking of, of how we can create culture based on a verse or a passage because culture making takes time. So instead of honing in on a verse or a passage, I want to do something slightly different. I want to draw your attention to a bigger picture that's has, happening through the Gospels. Uh, that is through the, the real ministry of Christ with his disciples. So there's not one passage we're going to look at, but rather we're going, to, we're going to see at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, he says, come and follow me. He invites people to be disciples. And at the, the end, before he ascends into heaven, he says to his disciples, go and make disciples. And in between, he's showing us through the rest of the account, working with his disciples, what it looks like to create a culture of disciple-making. So please, when, when we talk about these ideas today, they're not devoid of the scriptures, but rather they're the thrust of the scriptures in the gospels. We know Jesus said, come and be disciples, go and make disciples, and then a lot happened in between. And that's where we're going to learn about creating a culture of disciple-making. I'm going to throw this out as a rhetorical question. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt, saying don't shout out an answer when I ask this question, okay? Because you're going to be tempted to. Can you give me a concrete point in time? Do, do you know a concrete point in time when the original disciples were saved? The first time I was asked that question, I was really challenged by it. When were the disciples of Jesus in the gospel account saved? Was it when they were called to follow Jesus? Because they sure screwed up a lot and seemed to not get it. Was it somewhere in their following Jesus? 
that they were saved? Was it at the Last Supper? We know there was a, a rift in the relationship still after that. There was denial and, and abandonment. Was it at the resurrection? Was it at Pentecost? I think there's some ambiguity with the answer to that question. And that's good for us because it's a lot blurrier when we think of the moment in time when any of us are saved too. There's a, there's a time when we can articulate when the dots seemed connected, but when were we saved? When did we become disciples? Even if you think of that term being followers of Jesus, we know some of Jesus' followers were critics. Some of them were convinced that he was who he said he was. Some of them were just curious, and they followed him because of that. Wild things happened around Jesus, so just like then, that, that was the tabloid of the time. They want to see what's happening. There were critics, there were curious, they're convinced, and then there were committed disciples that even when things got really hard, struggled with faith in who he was. So that, that should inform our understanding of what a disciple is, which is at the beginning of the, the message in creating a culture of disciple-making. How are we defining disciple? That's very important because that is going to influence the way we try to make disciples. So how would you define disciple? I would argue that if we have too rigid, too narrow of a perspective, that we're going to miss the heart of creating a culture of disciple-making. I think it's okay to have a broad perspective because Jesus had all different kinds of followers that were in different parts of their spiritual journey, and that should reveal to us what, what we should be pursuing in creating cultures of disciple-making. I would say for our definitions of discipleship, uh, we, we need to reframe how we think of the role of a disciple. Too often, we think of evangelism as the key and then we tack discipleship onto evangelism. Once we get them saved, we'll teach them what it means to be a disciple. However, in Jesus' context, he was teaching them how to be a disciple, and we don't even know at what point they're actually saved. So instead of thinking discipleship is something that happens after evangelism, after someone trusts Christ, I think we have the opportunity to broaden our perspective and say we're going to show people Christ over and over and over again. And on the way, we have hope and belief that some of these people will be saved and already be integrated into the life of disciple. So evangelism is something that happens in light of the context of discipleship, not discipleship happening after we've evangelized people. They're not mutually exclusive. exclusive. Sometimes we've, we've gotten the order wrong. So we need to rethink our understanding of what it even means to be a disciple, when discipleship begins happening. Uh, so after we've, we've started to crystallize our thoughts, our definition of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's important to remember that that, that definition is going to be guided by the Scriptures. Truth be told, the, the followers of Jesus, to a, to a degree, understood that they were getting into something. So allowing it to be known in our relationships. This is what it means to be a disciple. Aiming for that. If we don't aim for that, it's going to be a lot more difficult to accomplish. So we've got on the front end 
evangelism is folded into discipleship. And I would say when we try to define discipleship, there's a key component that is too often missing in our ministries. And that is part of the definition of being a disciple is making disciples. If that is not a part of our definition of discipleship, one who makes disciples, then people are going to have the misconception that they are the end in the scenario. And to be a disciple, it's just about me growing in my relationship with God. Although there's a lot of truth in that, it's important that we understand disciples are ones who also make disciples. Come follow me and be disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Begin with the definition. Know that this is a, a part of passing the baton, too. Um, come, come and be disciples and go and make disciples has been the plan for the past 2,000 years, which I think shows some validity and reliability to Jesus' approach to disciple-making. So the next step in creating a culture of disciple-making, after having an idea, a definition of what it means to be a disciple, is to begin thinking through the values of being a disciple. Culture is not just something that exists. Culture is the outworking of values. So if we're going to think through what it means to create a culture of disciple-making, we should know some of the values of being a disciple. As a, as a workshop, I'd love to make this at least a little bit interactive before the Q&A. What are some values that we should have as disciples or when we're making disciples? What's something that is valuable as a disciple? People? Is that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Prayer. The longer I go, by the way, I begin to write in tongues. So I hope, <laughs> hope this is legible. I'll interpret it for you. I have that gift. Nice. Is this it? Truth. Truth. Love. Knowledge. Commitment. Service. We're not going to make an exhaustive list. As my, as my wife and I were talking about our values as a family of disciple makers, uh, she, saw, she saw the list that I had, I had written, and she was like, you forgot grace. And I was like, that is the perfect one to end the list with, because we're going to do all of this so imperfectly to let that be the bedrock of our values of discipleship. Grace is beautiful. Okay. What's important to know about values is that there are two types of values. There are actual values and there are aspirational values. Actual values is who you are. 
aspirational values is who you want to be. If we're going to create cultures of disciple-making, we need to differentiate between who we are and what we want to be, and our list should primarily be made up of who we are. So, this is a great list. Let's take one of the, let's take one of the a little bit more ambiguous ones, knowledge. How does knowledge play itself out in the life of a disciple? Yes, knowing the truth allows you to respond to the truth. We could make, we could make a huge list of values. We can't live into all of those. We need to find the ones that we're called to live into. Some of this involves self-awareness. What type of a disciple am I? What type of a disciple do we aspire to be? Find out what they are and live into them practically. We don't just want a, a list of, of good things. We want a list of what we aspire to be. How does, how does grace play itself out as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Okay. Willingness to talk to or associate people who are different than us and maybe we even are tempted to think we're superior to. How, how else might grace play out in the life of a disciple? How we handle conflict. It's so easy with conflict to assume one party's right and one party's wrong. That's not a very grace-oriented relationship. When we're thinking about our values, it's important that we not just make lists of good words, but think through how, how these characteristics are going to be played out in the life of a disciple. Think of, uh, think of the value. I, I love the word reconciliation, but we don't, we don't necessarily use it a lot from, in our day-to-day -day lives outside of the life of the church. So my wife and I have talked about the idea of one of our values is mending brokenness. That sounds really cool. We want to be people who mend brokenness. But it needs to do more than sound cool. We need to have practical ways that we can mend brokenness in the world that we live in. And for us to be people who value mending brokenness and live into it, not just aspire to it, we need to be people who also find where there is brokenness and identify what it means to be a mender of brokenness. Have you thought about your values as a disciple? See, I think this is a process that we should go through from time to time and ask ourselves, what does it mean to be a disciple? When we read the scriptures in our devotional life or in our communities, what are the values that are espoused in disciple-making with Jesus and the disciples? What are the values that bring glory to God and bless others? Some of the ones we've come up with as a family are selfless, selfless love, mending brokenness, family, 
creativity, celebration, transformation, learning, truth, and grace. And there is so much that can be espoused through those values. When we think about truth, that can manifest itself in the way of, of being truth tellers. We have, we have kids 10 and 3 years old. Our kids are probably different than your kids. You have a lot of good kids. Sometimes our kids struggle with telling the truth. We want to be truth tellers to the glory of God because our God is a God of truth. We also, when we look at the word truth and see that as a value for our family, we think about through the lens of declaring truth to the world. So evangelism is wrapped up in truth because we want to be speakers of truth, whether we've been asked to give account for why this got broken or whether we're getting an opportunity to share the gospel with an unbeliever. At all times, we want to be speakers of truth. Actual values are what we're patterning our lives after. See, we all exist in a cultural framework. We all exist with values. Honing in on those and intentionally living them out is how you begin creating a culture of disciple-making. If one of your values is not people, it's going to be difficult to make disciples. <laughs> we value family, and that's not just our dynamic in the home, but being a lover of stranger with hopes that they'll be integrated into our family at some point. Earlier I mentioned in the definition of disciple, it's important that, it's important that we have disciple-making being a part of that definition, well, what do families do? They pass the baton from one generation to the next. So even the notion of being a family is being disciples who make disciples. I encourage you to think through, what are your values? Come up with a list. Probably don't do more than 10. And make at least seven or eight of them actual values that you want to live into and then a couple that you might have trouble with, but you aspire to. You want to be transformed into those. Culture is a reflection of values. If you want to create a culture of disciple-making, identify the values of a disciple and find practical ways to live into that. It does require self-awareness, um, one thing that it also requires is systems in place that help us live into that. So, I believe there is a, a grid to think through how are we going to make disciples. I can't talk and write at the same time, so bear with me. This is our disciple-making grid right here. If we want to move from definition to values, now we're asking the question, how are those values going to be played out practically? Well, there's a, there's a come-in component of discipleship, right? Come and follow me. We come from all of our different spheres in life. We come into a community together. Discipleship is a communal process. Something happens... When we come in, and at the, the end of the process, we go. 
and make disciples. These are, these are systems when we set that up. How are, we, how are we drawing people in? What's happening when they get there? How are we commissioning people to go? What are these systems in some of our churches? What are they called? Assimilation, that's a part of the process. A pathway. This could be a small group. This could be our worship gatherings. This could be a Sunday school class. What else do you call them? Fellowship. I argue that this system could be family life. I think this could be a, uh, a way we live as, even as individuals when we think of disciple-making. This is a system of disciple-making. We're always coming in from our spheres of life, engaging with content and being sent out. That's what we do on Sunday mornings, most of our church gatherings, right? Come in, come around a message. Hopefully we're sent out into the world. This is what our small groups can look like. What are the barriers from this happening? I know a ton of small groups that have no clue that they're being sent out into the world. I know I've, I've been to many church services where we've been given this great content here and never been commissioned to go do something with it. So you might say we're about being and making disciples, but unless you have a system in place where you plan to call people in, engage with the message, and send people out, you're not creating a culture of discipleship. So one of the barriers to that is, is having a cloudy vision, not understanding your values, not being intentional. You can say in day-to-day -day life, when I interact with people, when we find a meeting place, this could be at the grocery store, this could be at the gym, this could be at work, this can be in day-to-day -day life. What are they going to see when they interact with me? And what are they going to go desiring? When you think of your family life, we come in from the, the busyness of our days into our home. What are we coming around when we get together? And when we go back out into our lives, what are we going to if we confuse the message, we think it's about us. We think it's purely about knowledge. We think it's purely about information. There will be no transformation. This is the difference between having a culture of passive consumers and active participants. These systems are opportunities to, um, to reveal how compelling the gospel is. We're doing a lot of these things well, um, but I think we're doing a lot of these things with a, a lack of disciple-making intentionality. So uh, if you think about this in the context of Sunday mornings, we come in from all of our spheres of influence, we come around the message, and we go out to what? Lunch. What, what makes a community compelling? 
to you. This is a this is personal. What makes the community compelling? Good vibe. Let's be let's be more ambiguous with our answers. What's a good vibe? What creates a good vibe? Alex, you know this. You're, you, you, you enjoy creating good vibes in your interpersonal relationships with people. How do we create a good vibe? Safety, love, acceptance, fun. Oh, is, is, has there ever been a generation that, that wants to know and be known more authentically than, than the millennial generation that's coming up? A safe place. What does that require to be a safe place? Listening instead of talking. Yeah. What are we aiming for when we want to be and make disciples? What are our values? How are we espousing that in our communities? One thing I loved about walking into substance uh, it's my first time here this weekend, just seeing a place where people could, could be without a lot of stigma attached. What does it matter what it looks like? <laughs> it's the difference between hospitality and entertaining. Hospitality is a place where you can feel at home. Entertaining is a place where you're afraid to sit down because you might ruin how pretty it looks. We don't want to be in the business of entertaining disciples and creating consumers, but rather showing hospitality, creating an environment where they can be transparent, honest, receive, and give grace. Yeah. Our systems allow us to live into our values. Um, so when we come in, we need to think strategically about how does our place reveal our values, whether it's our home, our small group, our church, even a personal relationship with me. How does our place, how does the setting where relationships happen espouse values? What is the content that's, that we're going to meet people with once they get there, and what's the message to send them out to? We need to establish these systems in our lives, and it doesn't happen mistakenly. It doesn't happen just through creating uh, fun or an easygoing place, but rather knowing what we long to be and living into that. And I ask, how do we stir people up to go from that place? There's really two things we can call people to. Being a disciple, falling more and more in love with Jesus, and going out to introduce more people to Jesus, how do we stir people up? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
Amen. So instead of trying to make people more like us, uh, which is a temptation, uh, we're, we're plugging people into Christ. If, if Jesus is our aim, we're making disciples of Jesus Christ. We're not making attenders of our church. We're not even making disciples of ourselves. If Jesus is our aim, and as disciples ourselves, we aim for Jesus, and obviously we're going to fall short of that, right? This is where you all shake your head yes with great assurance. We, we all fall short of Christ. More than this, this is not to scale. Um, if, if we are trying to make people disciples of us or, or take on just the identity of a church and not plug them into Christ, we're plugging them into us, and this will be their aim. And guess what? They're going to fall short of that. They're not going to know the, the ethos. They're not necessarily going to live it out as well. You're just a couple of generations away from getting so far removed from plugging people into Jesus because you're so committed to, plug, to adding to the number of people in your church. In some ways, you might grow in numbers, but grow farther and farther and farther about what, away from what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So in our context, that, that crux, what we're coming around, is finding your identity in Christ. And that should stir us up. That should stir us up deeply and dearly to want to plug more people into Christ, not just the ethoses of our, our churches. How do we evaluate how our systems are working? Each and every church that we're a part of has systems, whether we knew it or not. Whether it's our small group, whether it's our Sunday schools, our adult Bible fellowships, community groups, whatever you want to call it, there's a system in place. How do we evaluate how that system is working? One of the ways that I've, I've, I've seen a lot of uh, spiritual growth in our churches and um, trying to create a culture of discipleship, trying to grow in that, is uh, really simply asking questions around, are we growing in the great command, are we growing in the great commission, and are we growing as a great community? So let's, let me help you think through this a little bit more. We're defining what a disciple is. We're identifying the values to live into. We're creating systems to help espouse those values, to draw people into the life of being a disciple. We need to evaluate those systems to make sure we're doing what we're aiming at, and one of the ways to do that is, are you growing in the great command? What's the great commandment? Love God, love others. Great commission, go and make disciples. What's the great community? That's one we don't talk about a whole lot. Well, the great community is not here yet. <laughs> the great community culminates with the community that, that we're going to see in our heavenly home. And although we're not there yet, we have an opportunity to show a glimmer of that to the world that we live in right now as we, as we long to be disciples of Jesus Christ. I frequently ask our small group leaders questions around how are you growing in these different areas. It's good, good to think, are we living into our values? How, how might we adapt 
in order to be and make disciples of Jesus Christ, to create the culture that we want to create. As a family, are we living into our values? Who are we? What do we believe? How are we living into that? Are we making it compelling? Are we creating systems that, that reflect what we say we believe? Are we seeing life transformation in us or, or through our relationships with people because of it? Which sort of comes together with the fourth point. We've defined disciples. We've determined values. We've established systems and learned how to evaluate them, just asking questions. How are we bringing people in? What are we giving them? How are we sending them out? Lastly, it's practicing what you preach. And this is where I think it's easy to see a breakdown, especially for leaders in ministry uh, who create a lot of discipleship systems uh, but eventually see themselves removed from the system. This is a real challenge for leaders sometimes. Stepping away uh, from actually being and making disciples because you're spending so much time doing it. We're called to be shepherds, and shepherds don't tell their sheep to go places they're not willing to go themselves. So are you in these types of relationships? Are you in these types of communities if you're a leader? If you're not, you're not really creating a culture that espouses your values. You're saying, this is important for you, but this isn't important for me. The only time a shepherd has gone somewhere, the only time his shepherd, excuse me, the only time it's been successful for a shepherd to go a different place than the sheep is when the good shepherd walked into the valley of the shadow of death so we wouldn't have to. It's important for us to, uh, to understand that we're not just, in creating cultures, we're not just calling people to do something. We're actually living, it into, living into it ourselves. So, uh, I've been thinking about this uh, quite a bit since being asked to, to talk on leading a disciple of culture making. I've been blessed with a number of, of people in my life who have helped me become a better follower of Jesus Christ, uh, who have brought me in, who have, who have given me 